You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Can we say a word of prayer for Karina? Let's just stretch forth our hands towards him and declare that the work God has begun, the work of the Holy Spirit will be made complete in his life, the work of comfort, the work of restoration and that collectively as a church family we are declaring in agreement of faith and in unity of spirit that not only will God restore but he will compensate in the name of the Lord Jesus can we pray for him and ask that God will strengthen him that the more of God he knows the more of him he continually desires and that light will shine over his heart, that he will receive an understanding of that which has happened, and by his own experience, he will testify of the Father's faithfulness. With benefit of hindsight, his story will bless others. He would, by the same comfort he has received, be strengthened to comfort others. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we decree and declare over you, Karina, that it is well with you. In your mind, in your emotions, in your body, it is well with your wife. In the name of Jesus, we use you as a point of contact for your wife. And we declare that God will sustain you both. That you will not fall by the wayside. Your faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, our Father, for that which you have started. We give you all praise for you. These ones are on a journey with you. And we thank you because you are holding them by the hand and you are leading them through life. We give you all praise for peace, all around peace that you surround and garrison their hearts with. We silence every voice, every negative voice that's, that might try to speak, that may be speaking in your home, in your lives. And we declare that only the voice of the Lamb is permitted to speak over you in the name of Jesus and it is speaking healing it is speaking comfort it is speaking strength it is speaking restoration in Jesus name we've prayed and agreed amen 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 please let's appreciate Karina for sharing his God experience with us tonight amen welcome again everyone so good to see everyone hi hello early pastor Chi good to see you all Okay, let's get into the word. So I don't know if you've, if, is there anyone who's worshiping with us for the first time? Yeah? This month? Okay, nobody. So that means you're familiar with the teaching. Oh, hi. Wow. Please let's appreciate her. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being here tonight. Okay, so we started a teaching series. I'm just, um, for, for your benefit, I'll run through it quickly. We started a teaching series tagged The Art of God. The Art of God, A-R-T. And um, two Sundays back, we looked at God and the big picture. Um, last Sunday, we looked at um, a master at work, recognizing God as the master in this instance. And uh, today, we're looking at beauty and the... And the I, was going, <laughs> I was going to say beauty and the beasts. <laughs> this topic is very tricky. I don't know why it was tagged beauty and the artist, but let's move. Um, so beauty and the artists 
referencing God as the master artist. And there's some things that Karina already shared, which uh, I would just ride on. You know, it's interesting that the aspect of his life that he shares with us is one that is, if we ask ourselves, whether it's a loss you have suffered, whether it's a situation that hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go, whether it's even someone very close to you that has experienced something and you've had to sit down at some point in time in your life and contemplate. If they say God is good, then why are these things happening? If God is indeed good, why does it look like my life is not making sense? If God is indeed good, why does it look like I'm, you know, all of my mates and my friends are way ahead and I seem to be straddling and struggling behind? Each person at some point in time in, in their life, and if there's anybody here who has never asked that question, maybe you've never even asked it out, you've never vocalized it, but you've thought it. Maybe you've been so much of a Christian, um, grown up in a Christian home and all that, so, that you've, never, you've, you've not been bold to ask that type of a question, but you've thought about it. But if, that, if, if you're here and you've never had a reason to actually just wonder, God, where are you? in the midst of all of this craziness. Please show of hands because we need to learn from you how you have done it. Are you living in a bubble? Or have you just shielded yourself from, as it just give us some of your, cut soap for us, essentially. Just cut soap for us. So that we, we too, because by the time Nigeria does you one how, and you are in traffic, there are certain questions that we just naturally want to come to the surface, you know. And then you remember who you are. You remember your affirmations and your declarations and you just suppress them. You suppress those thoughts, those thoughts that are not of God that would start to ask you, but why am I still in this country? Why am I still in this Nigeria? If only Canada would just do and give me the visa I've been waiting for, you know, just different things. But today we look at beauty and the artist. And I want to ask a quick question. What is the most beautiful thing you have ever seen? Think about it. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? So in the morning service, people said things like Taj Mahal in India. Those ones are very bougie. Um, some people said a rainbow. Some people said the sky. So guys, what's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Someone actually said a jewelry piece. Yeah? You. Your face. Uh, uh. Mm -mm. Go early. Your face. See, they say you should remove your mask. They want to see the face so that they can behold the beauty too. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's a beauty. He's a speck. Yeah. Um, there are different things. We've seen different things um, in the world that just make you wonder and just marvel that, in, that there has got to be a God. I mean, you see the constructions of certain types, the, the way some rocks are hewn and the way some mountains appear, like there's no way man could have figured out how to put this thing together like this intricately. In Genesis chapter 1 from verses 3 to 4, it says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, beautiful. That word good there also means beautiful. So God saw the light and saw that it was beautiful. 
God divided the light from the darkness. Then we go to verse 31 of that same Genesis 1. It says, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. It was very beautiful. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God took a look at the things that he had created and he affirmed what he already saw in his mind. And that's what the first foundation that I want to lay. A reminder to us all, or to someone here specifically, that look, you are not a mystic. You are not an afterthought. God looked at everything that he created. He created light, took light out of darkness. He created the birds of the air, created the fishes of the sea, created animals, created lands, you know, vegetation, created all of these amazing things that we have here on earth. Then took his time and created man. The first set of works that God did, God either spoke, some parts you say God set, God created. When it came to man, he had a conversation with himself, the Godhead, and decided that we are going to make man. Here is how it will be. There was none of the other things God created that, that they had to say would be in his image or after his likeness. Only man. So by all standards, seeing as we are talking about art and the artists, we can say the same way Picasso would have one fantastic painting that they are using bodyguards to guard up and down, or Da Vinci would have another painting, or the, the one I shared about in the morning service was Mona Lisa, and how that it has some ridiculous cost now. The insurance value is, about, is over $800 million. And where it is currently warehoused, you can only see it for like 30 seconds. So think about the amount of effort and energy they are putting into guarding such a, an artwork. Then imagine God as the master artist and you, his artwork. That he took his time to fashion. He created you, made you like him put his breath in your nostrils, gave you his spirit. Not only did he do that, then he put you in a naturally beautiful habitat, Eden. When he created the first man, scripture says that he put man in the garden of Eden. Eden came resourced. It had everything it needed. And then God not only created conceptualized man, to look like him, to be able to think like him, to be able to act like him. He then put him in a location that was specifically designed for him to thrive. And then he put his spirit in him. So he, God beautified man's life. God set him apart, made him different from every other thing he had created. Took his time to fashion him. Uh, uh, what's that scripture now in, okay, so it's Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can someone say that to themselves? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. If I asked you those 
the term fearfully and wonderfully made or that phrase, what does it mean to you? We say it all the time. I mean, if, you're, if you've been a Christian long enough, it's a phrase you're familiar with. So when you say it, what exactly are you saying? So let's do this um, quick exercise. When I say car, just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Car, speed, what else? So you know that man naturally thinks in pictures. So when I say car, there's some, you saw a picture of a car in your head. <laughs> some, people are, some people are seeing their dream cars. It's hard for you. Um, very few people will, if you're not using, if, you're, if you have a car, naturally, the first, when you hear car, the first thing that probably may come to mind is the one that is familiar. If you don't have a car, it will be your desired. Yeah? Hardly would you, would you, <laughs> hardly would you think about if you don't have a Maserati, if I say car, except you are desiring a Maserati, hardly will a Maserati come to your mind. Swimming. Bottled water, yeah? I, I can't hear it. Oh, payments, payments. Okay. You must have bills. <laughs> I feel like that's a, you have some bills that are either staring you in the face or you're planning for. <laughs> that's the reason why payment will come to mind. You know, like someone should give me another word and let's see what someone should help me with a word. Church. <laughs> so church refreshments. Like why swimming is so limited? Any word, any word. Oh, I'm asking for another word now. Food. Food, yes. Happiness. Amala. So the point is this. There are things that will naturally just come to mind immediately because man sees and thinks in pictures. So when I say I am fearfully and wonderfully made, what comes to mind? Intentional. Two people said intentional. Jinx. People said it at the same time. Special. Perfect. Yes. Great. Loved. Sacred. Unique. Because it's easy to mentally ascend to the scriptures until your heart makes a connection. Scripture says that the word didn't work, referencing a group of people, that the word did not work. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. For the word to work, it needs to be mixed with faith. Until you move from that place where you mentally assent to the word and your heart can connect with it, it starts to make meaning. So it's not enough for us to just be singing it or rambling it. What does it mean for me to be fearfully? I think about it. And somebody needs to go out of here tonight and just think about the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's okay to, to be arguing against the thoughts. It's okay to actually write down things and say, God, I don't agree. Because if you say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, why do I look like this? What I see in the mirror, only Ellie said that he's a speck. Some of us grew up being called names about how we looked. 
Either your legs are a certain way, your face is a certain way, just body shaming. Some people suffered bullying because of how they look. So when you say to such people, you are fearfully and wonderfully, they can relate with the fearfully parts. The wonderful there, it's not working at all. They are not seeing it. They will say to you, I agree. I am fearfully. That's why they are afraid of me. And they call me names. But wonderful, nah, that can't be me. It looks like God must have taken a break. Maybe he handed me over. When it was time to produce me, gave me to Angel Gabriel. Because this, this, I don't think, I don't feel like the complete and perfect work of God that you're talking about. But my assignment tonight is really very simple, to remind each and every one of us that God is perfect. And he does perfect things. So while it is that the current outlook of your life might not look like what you expect that the master artist is, has painted, you need to remember that you're on a journey. You need to remember that you're on a journey. And for as long as you are on that journey with God, that masterpiece will be complete. Because guess what? It already has been completed from the foundations of the world. Before time, the masterpiece has been done. That Mona Lisa that has been like this, that we have been seeing from since 15 whatever or 18 whatever we painted the Mona Lisa. You all know Mona Lisa, right? I still don't understand why, what is special about that painting. I'm sorry. I will keep going on and on about Mona Lisa. But that, that woman, she was like this. I don't know who she was. No, they said she was some, some king's wife. But why does it have to be that expensive? I don't, it does not make any sense. Anyway, since she has been like this, that's, your masterpiece is sitting like this somewhere in, in the heavens. But you are on a journey towards the manifestation of that which God has already seen. What happens to us a lot of times is that we are usually in a hurry. Or we get a glimpse, not a full complete picture. You just have an idea of what your masterpiece is tending towards. And we say, no, God, I want Tony's masterpiece. I mean, we don't say it in terms like that, but our actions say it. So I like the way Tony's life is looking. Tony can pray five hours. Tony is a lawyer. She also has besides business. She has money. She has a car. What is my own? As in, why do you want? Must I suffer? Must my life go this? Must it go the Israelites' journey? Must can it not be straight? Let it be straight. Tony finished school, got a job, did NYS. Everything has just been falling into place. That is the kind of masterpiece I want. This one that you are sending me on. Basbos, left, right, and center. Things not working. Me having to pray and fast. I'm not sure it's what I want. Me dealing with health issues. Me dealing with, you know, traumatic experiences. That can be you, God. That cannot be the masterpiece you've painted. And I'll be very quick to say something here. Sometimes things happen to us. I mean, there's been this whole conversation around, does God, does God do evil? God does not do evil. God is not evil. I mean, the word says, scripture says it, I think somewhere in Matthew, will a child ask for bread and the father will give a snake or a stone? Which one is a snake or stone? There are two. 
there is bread and stone. Then the other, what is the fish and snake? Aha. So, think about it. For as long as an earthly family, I mean, I know that there's some fathers that are really cantankerous. So, they can give stone. But that is not the normal father. So, let's focus on the normal fathers. The normal father will not give a stone. If a child would ask for bread. The child is asking for bread because the child is hungry. So he will not give him a stone to eat. And God is saying, for as long as an earthly father, a man that I made, will not give a stone to a child that needs bread, why do we think it, we should attribute evil occurrences to God? Why do we think that God would look at us and say, I will for you to, as in what I painted, is you have to, evil has to happen to you. Now, I've heard different things. And honestly, this is my own personal opinion, that God does not do evil. God can permit it, however. He can permit it. He can permit it. And here's how I go through life. Things happen. I hear people say stuff, and I know I don't. I don't belittle people's um, experiences of God or with God or what they say. When someone tells me God said, "Well, lie, there's nothing else." So I'm not even. I'm, I cannot argue. For as long as God has said to you, Doctor Sam, that this is how you must. You must go and marry a prostitute. That's definitely not you. But just like Hosea, you get my point. No matter. How, I love you. All I can do is to go back and be praying for you. God, did you really say, hey, did Sam hear? Or is he seeing something else? Is it something else driving him? I can fast and pray for you. Because when people say God said, they have already shut down. There's no room for conversation again. So all you do is just pray. Now, I reference, I go and search the scriptures and say, okay, is there, is there, is there, is there a scriptural reference for this position or this point of view? Go back and check the scriptures. Now I know that there is a reference for God permitting evil. The case of Job. When Satan came to him, Satan was on a mission, on an agenda, and he came to him and made a request. And God said, okay, that's fine. But you can touch this, you can touch this, you cannot touch this. I will be honest with you guys that when I started reading the scriptures, Every time I read the story of Job, it confuses me because I struggle to relate to, but God, how can you say you love this guy? As you are very proud. In fact, you were the one who showed him. In fact, there was a prayer. I said, pray. God, don't show, don't show me off. Don't show me off. Don't boast. Don't, it's okay. Don't. Before you and Satan will not enter one type uh, betting competition. No. Don't. I'm serious, though. I'm saying it's very funny now, but when I say the prayer, God, please, can we just stay where we are, me and you? You know, I'm a little child. I'm just not trying to know you, baby steps. Don't go and be doing like this and be saying, <laughs> my child, have you seen my daughter, Busol? Ah, Jesus. <laughs> I was traumatized when I started reading the scriptures and I would read the story of Job again. I'm like, but God, is it now a problem to just love you and to serve you? You now carry the man and says, have you seen my servant Job? And you see, because every time I read the story back then, I would read with my human understanding. And all I was seeing was, ah, this guy lost things. 
He now had to start all over again. You know, God, the time he had lost. If his children were still alive, they would have had grandchildren by the time he just started having new babies. You know, I processed it all with my human mind. Every time I was reading the story of Job, because it just seems really weird to me. Like, God, how do you love and you shield? You love and you protect. But only Job and Mrs. Job, and even Mrs. Job said she was not careful. She, she had woman had already gone. But only Job was preserved. His children didn't make it. And it's honestly just always rubbed me off in a very weird way. So God can permit evil. But he does fundamentally what we need to understand is the fact that he loves us. He loves us. And I know someone here is still struggling with that. Because you're like, God loves and yet this happened to me. And I know there's something that we do in Christianity, in the Christian faith, which is the fact that we look at our issues and we say, if God was not on our side, though, it would have been worse. And I've seen, I don't know about you guys, but I've met people who always take that thought process apart, like they can't stand it. Don't tell me that it could have been worse. I got raped, but it could have been worse. Like, how would it have been worse? Do you understand? What else? Well, okay, maybe more people could have raped me. You know, like, how do I say I'm thankful because it could have been worse? And evil happened. How am I thankful that it could have been worse? Now, you see, these conversations, I would be honest to say to you, one of the things that I'm looking forward to, two things would happen when we get to heaven. Either as we are entering, we know it all. We just have an, an understanding of all the craziness that has happened in the world. Or I have my one-to-one with God, sit at his feet and say, God, please, when I was on earth, some things did not make sense. But what I know and what the scripture says to me is what I hold on to which is one, God loves us. God is mindful. Tony said that when we're praying, he's mindful of us. We are his dearly beloved children. And I don't hesitate to lay claim on that title every day. God, I am your dearly beloved child. There are certain things that are not permitted to happen to me. By reason of association and connection and relationship, there are certain things that cannot happen to my children. I don't know if you're following. So God, as the master artist, has already painted your masterpiece. And I'm going to use another person's story to help drive this home. Future. A translation I, that I like to use says to, give you a, to bring you to a victorious expected end. So there is a plan already when God made you before time when he conceptualized you before you were formed in your mother's womb he already had a plan he had a, and I, he had a plan of what you, your life's journey will look like Joseph dearly beloved Joseph by his father coat of many colors hated by his brothers sold or uh, put in a pit sold to the Ishmaelites, 
out of anger and beef because he had a dream or he had two dreams. From there, Potiphar's house, from there, prison. You can read the scripture. It's just chapter, chapter, you know, verse, chapter. And it looks like, oh, today, his brothers hated him. Tomorrow, they removed his, his coat of many colors and put him in a pit. Day after tomorrow, they sent him to, they sold him to Ishmaelites. Upper, one week after, he was in Potiphar. It might look like that when you read it, because we're just reading an abridged version of a long story. But that wasn't the case. The guy was on that journey. I have a question for you. Take Joseph's story. Put it side by side with Jeremiah 29, 11. The thoughts that I have for you are thoughts of good and not evil. Is that good or evil? Answer. Sorry? Yeah. No, let's not get to the end. Do, don't, don't focus on that he became prime minister because... See, what we do a lot of times with Joseph's stories, we forget the process. And we are very excited about the fact that, ah, man, see this guy all the way from Israel. Went and became prime minister in Egypt. The journey is critical. The process is important. It was a prayer that I used to pray at some point in time in my life. Lord, help me not to cut short the process. Because I know that you have the best plans for my life. So if you put me on a process, you put me on a journey, you know what you are doing. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, guessing and trying to figure stuff out. But you know what you're doing. So I trust your process. So help me not to disdain the process. Help me not to cut it short. So let's go back to Joseph. What do you think? Put it side by side with Jeremiah 29, 11. Yeah? Pure evil. <laughs> Somebody else said evil. That's good. It is good. It is good because God said it is good. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The thoughts that I have, that I think towards you, are thoughts of good and not evil. Joseph went through from all of those things that I mentioned, which appear to be an evil occurrence or an evil process to us. Because there was no reason why he should have been hated by his brothers. There was no reason why he should have been sold. There was no reason why he should have been lied against. But remember, that Jeremiah 29, 11 says, these thoughts that I have, yeah, they are good thoughts. They are great thoughts to give you a hope and a future. That future is the one that I have defined for you. For Joseph to make it to prime minister, he needed to go through that process. And so it is good. But with our human understanding, we cannot be in such and think it is good. We will say that the master artist does not know what he is up to. Why have you permitted this type of evil? Why have you permitted, you know, people to treat me wrongly? Why have you permitted them to call me names? Why have you permitted them to sack me unjustly from that organization? Why have you permitted for them to, to you know, Trample on me, on my good name. With benefit of hindsight, by the time you now become prime minister and you're looking back, you're like, oh, God, I see it. Now I get the picture. When we're in it, we don't see it. It's tough. It's tough to see it when you're undergoing a process of pruning 
of shaping of character development. Do you think that if Joseph had remained in his father's house with his coat of many colors, being pampered, do you think he would have made it as prime minister in Egypt? How? And remember what God did. When God will give a vision, when God will set someone up, you know, for a divine appointment, when God wants to use you, oftentimes it's not just for you. It's not just for you. We always pride ourselves that, oh, we're problem solvers. Some people even put it as part of the, you see, read people's CVs, I'm a problem solver, critical thinker. Oh, JB, you should not be thinking, <laughs> don't think critically. But problem solving is a thing. I say that I, I love to solve problems. Imagine God is, God, if we are feeling like problem solvers, God is the master problem solver. Strategies, before the problem shows up, he has already made a way of escape. He has made a plan. And his plan was embedded in Joseph. Hence why he was giving Joseph dreams, glimpses of the desired future that he had planned for him. God gave him glimpses of those things. But how Joseph was interpreting it, oh, you will bow down to me. My parents and everybody will bow down to me. was, you know, bragging. You, you know, that was all he could see in his mind's eye. That's all. He had no idea how it was going to be. How that dream will happen. He probably thought he would be the king of the, what's his father's name? Jacob household. He will become, they, they will, you know, make him king. Or maybe he will be the king of the Jews or something. But my point is, he was very small-minded. He could not have figured out how that will be. Meanwhile, God was planning two nations. Oh. In fact, and their neighboring cities, neighboring countries. The preservation of human lives was the vision. That was the assignment that God placed in Joseph's hand. But see how, God, how Joseph saw it. See, see the vision and the dreams that he had. He saw his parents and his brothers bowing down to him. Maybe if he didn't sh So, I hope you understand why I'm saying. If you put that side by side with Jeremiah 29, 11, you see how that God indeed is true to his word. When he says, the thoughts that I think towards you, when you are in the middle of the fire, it does not look like it makes any sense. It looks evil. But I am assuring you, they are good thoughts. Think about it. There's stuff you've gone through in your life that you're thinking of. You can remember one or two incidences that you're like, ah, thank God for that wicked boss. Or thank God that they actually chucked me out of that particular role. I would have been too comfortable there. You know, some of us are in our comfort zone. They have to kick you out like the baby ego and just push you out. But instead of gaining perspective and understand what God is doing, we sit on our butts, and we start to cry. God, you have left me. I don't love you anymore. God, how could you allow this happen to me? And it's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Is that just calling me a big boy? But you get the point. He can handle it. He can handle, he can handle any questions you have. In fact, he wants us to ask him those questions. We don't have a father who's shy of engagement. Too. Let's not mix things up. Because I know people say that we should not question God. He's not questioning. We're having a conversation with our father. For as long as you can ask your earthly father questions to seek to understand, you can ask your heavenly father questions to seek to understand too, and to gain clarity. 
And he wants to reveal, scripture says that the secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him. He wants to reveal his secrets to you. He wants to entrust his secrets into your hands. He wants to reveal mysteries of the things that are ongoing in your generation, in your family, in your nation, in the world at large. He wants to reveal secrets to you. He's looking for friends that he can speak to. He's looking for children who will sit at his feet and glean from him, learn from him. Learn his ways. Understand how his mind works. So, the artist designs, puts up this beautiful masterpiece that a lot of times you and I are not privileged to see. We see in parts. You don't see the full thing. Maybe in the, in the masterpiece today, you can see a foot or a toe. And you feel like, eh, that's all. And God is like, really? That's just a toe. In the entire picture. The day you see a thumb and it's not a nice looking journey, then we start to throw tantrums and we're like, God, no, this can't be it. Give me Ellie's own. Ellie has a nine. I like, Miss if I want a speck, give me. So, beauty and the artist, as we wrap up. First thing to know beauty is who God says you are. You are beautiful. When he created you, he said you were good. So there's no need to overthink it. I was having a conversation with someone after, after the first service today, and she was saying, sharing some things with me, and she, you know, she said, I, when I said to her, but you know you are beautiful. And she said, no. I don't agree. I don't feel like it. I said, your life is beautiful. He said, I don't feel like it. I said, it's just a feeling. It's okay. You don't have to feel like it. And it's fine. Sometimes we will not feel like it. Because we'll be in situations that are telling us and staring us in the face that, are you a joke? God has abandoned you. You, you are so on your own. The way your life is going, you are finished. But you have to get up and remind yourself who you are and whose you are. And speak to those voices. Silence them. Silence them. You don't have to feel like it. You don't have to feel like it. You just need to believe it. When you believe it, it becomes a part of you. Some, at some point, the feeling will not show up. And even if the feeling ever does show up, where you feel like God has forsaken you. I mean, look at the Hebrew boys. And I was sharing that with someone else earlier today as well. I said, look, there are different types of relationships that we form with God. When scripture would say in Ezekiel, I think it's in Ezekiel, it says ankle deep, you know, get into the waters, your ankle deep, your knee deep, your waist deep, your neck deep, till you're completely submerged. Some of us, we have not even put our toes in there to even say we're trying to be ankle deep. Why? We put our toes in and we run back out. We just, you know, we do a dip, a, a slight dip and we come back out because we're like, man, God, I'm not sure. I think I still want to have control over certain aspects of my life. It's okay. You have painted something, right? Let me try and paint something else. Let me paint my own that we can compare. Now, it's, it's funny. It sounds funny. And I know we don't, this, of, of course, we don't talk to God about paintings. But because we're using art uh, descriptive terms is why I'm referencing paintings. But some of our actions, that's exactly what we're saying. There are aspects of our lives where we're like, you unconsciously have shut God out. 
You don't even check with him. What is your will on this matter? Father, what are you saying over this matter? We run in our own strength and in our own understanding and we just fix it and we just say, okay, God bless the plan. Just breathe upon the plan. We don't check with him what his mind is for us. Master artist, what have you fashioned on this particular matter? And a lot of times, it's usually in relationships. Let's start from there. That's a very easy one. I like you, you like me, let's go out. Let's date. Let, well, let's be all right. We don't check. And I'm sure somebody's wondering, must it be that deep? <laughs> like, can't we just be okay? Can't we just be normal and just date ourselves? And must we even go and check with God? Okay. So I was talking about uncle, you know, and various types of relationships. And I'm, I'm going to say this and then we'll pray. So think about Jesus and uh, Jairus, yes. Jairus' daughter was ill, yeah? And Jesus would show up and would ask, oh, sorry, he would come to Jesus and he would say to Jesus, my daughter is healed, please come to my house to heal her. Jesus would oblige. Think about Jesus and the centurion whose servant was ill. Centurion would say, Jesus, I don't even need you to show up. I just need you to speak the word. And Jesus would say, he's never seen such faith in all of Israel. That is another type of relationship. Then think about the woman with the issue of blood. Who says, I don't even need to speak to him. But the things that I have heard by the hearing of my ears, this is that I have heard, I only just need to touch his garment. Now, prior to then, we don't see any precedence of people getting healed by Jesus' garment. Yeah? That only happens with Peter and uh, the apostles. With Peter, I think. Is it Peter or Paul? Where they use mantles. Aha, Peter. But Jesus' ministry, there was never a time that he took his garment and laid it on anyone and the person got healed. But think about the type of faith this woman had that would cause her to believe that, look, this man with everything that I have heard him, I've heard of him, everything that I've heard that he has done, he must be filled with so much power that everything on him has got to be filled with power. Hence why I only need to touch the hem of his garment. Just the hem. You know the hem? Yeah. Hem. Not, I don't need to grab the cloth and rub it around, wrap it around my body. Just the hem. That's another level of faith. My, in conclusion, my question to you is this, and I want you to reflect on this and just take it. And if anybody has questions, I'll take that before we pray. How much of God do you know? What is the quality of the relationship you have with him? And are you trusting him with the process? Are you entrusting your life into his hands and asking for a full representation here on earth of the masterpiece that he already created before you were formed. 
it's interesting that Jesus would say to us, look, in the world, because you are in this world, the way the world has been, is not insulated from trials and tribulations ever since sin came into the picture. So you will get your heart broken. That's part of trial now, Abby. They will break your heart. I wish they would not. I love you enough to fill you with wisdom to avoid such traps. But it's okay. You will make mistakes. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. Things will not work out the way you intended for them to. And I will permit such occurrences because I need you to learn. I need you to grow. I need you to grow to be able to handle the destiny that I have prepared for you. I need your character to be formed. It's easy to sit and say, God, give me one billion naira. If I raise a prayer point and I said, the Lord told me last night as I was preparing for this service that he's going to give seven people here one billion in the next two years. Let's see. <laughs> Just the analogy. Some people, are already, some people are already naming and claiming. You know, I, and I, I find it interesting because I'll be honest with you guys. I grew up in an Orthodox church. So sometimes when this is... I'm just sitting there and just looking. Because in my small walk with God, I understand some little things. I remember when I first started on this whole word of faith journey. When I began to learn about confessions, I was reading a lot of books, listening to solid preachers in the word of faith movement. You know, Reverend Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Bill Winston, and then my pastor then, different people. Pastor Chris, I was, just, I was very ravenous. I was consuming a lot of material, reading the scriptures. So I was so high on, I was going to say I was so high on faith, but you get the point. I remember I would write out my confessions from the scripture, pick an area of my life, meditate on, you know, scriptures relating to a particular area of my life, then craft confessions using those same scriptures of what God is saying to me concerning my life. And I will begin to declare. And I remember one time for my job, then I was still working in the bank. And I put one kind of salary there that is only people like EDs can earn as at that time. And I was just a second level officer. And I was declaring streams of income. I have multiple streams of income. My annual package is X amount. Before the Holy Spirit spoke to me, my husband now, then I was dating him, saw this confession and I said, what will you do with this money? <laughs> and I didn't have an answer. I didn't. And I learned my first lesson there. That God will not commit resources into your hands where there is no vision. He won't. He gives vision and then he supports with the provision. He makes available what you need for the, how much, how, how willing are you to commit to the process of character formation? Because beauty and the artist, the part God is most concerned about, first of all, before the outward appearance, before your brand's clothing, before the luxury items, before your fancy hair and your good looks and your, you know, before all of those things is the inward beauty, the inner man. The beauty of the inner man is the character that he's, you know, reforming. The change that he's bringing into you. 
that is what he concerns himself with first. Because when you're a person of character, then he knows that I can entrust. That is why I can say, have you seen my son Job? Have you seen Noah? He needs to be able to trust you. And I know God has some special children like us and David. But even David, he prevented David from carrying out a specific assignment that was dear to David's heart. He didn't allow him. He said it wasn't for him to do. Elijah, we talk about Elijah. Elijah, you know, had his issues at some point. And we see how he became quiet for like 10 years. I think it was about a 10-year transition before he was eventually transported with the chariots of fire. But we didn't read anything about Elijah anymore. It was like his ministry just literally ended. God asked him to pick someone else. And that was when he threw his mantle over Elisha and started training Elisha. Character is very critical. The beauty that we should desire is the beauty of the inward man. The beauty of the inner man. The one that has been changed, transformed, and is being worked on by God. Where the quick check. How patient am I? Sometimes God will put people in your life. That boss that you are praying. I hope there's nobody here that is praying for that fall down and die for their bosses. Please. Because you two will become a boss one day. <laughs> so whatever you sow, you gladly will reap. So be very careful. You are praying for your mother-in-law that you, are, you don't even have yet. You're already praying that you don't want your mother-in-law alive. You've not even, ah, you will become somebody's mother to somebody's son. About this, what's that song? They become and marry your child too or your son. And that's how one girl too will be praying before I marry let the woman have that. Meanwhile, God has, your masterpiece is there. God has said, ah, this one, you will, fulfill, you will live long and prosper. But the seeds you have sown, may God have mercy on us. So, beauty and character. That's what I want someone to live here with today. Where you're saying, God, I want to trust you with the process. The areas of your life where you're confused, where you need an answer, where you want him to. Sometimes he won't give you the kind of answer you want. And we need to understand God. Not because, you know, they say, oh, he says yes, he says maybe, he says no. Just understand how he speaks to you. That's what's important. Sometimes it's quiet. It feels like you're not hearing anything. Stick with the word. I'm encouraged every time I think about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they will be in that situation. I mean... They will be in that situation with the threat of a fiery furnace, possibly even sighting the furnace from a distance, and they will still maintain their ground and say, God, he doesn't approve of it. I'm so sorry. We can't do it. How many times do we compromise as God's children under the umbrella of grace? God, let me just, as in, I could not say no. My bosses would not have it. Then I'll come and say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Those guys are like, look, I'm so sorry. We can't do it. He doesn't approve of it. We can't do it. And even if he will not save us, we still will not do it because we know he doesn't approve of it. I mean, that's, 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 that's a level of relationship that we should aspire to. Even if God doesn't show up to save us, to deliver us from this situation, from this, your punishment, we still will not do it because we know 
that this doesn't glorify him. It doesn't please him. What you are asking us to do doesn't please him. So again, how far are you willing to go with God on this journey? Would you allow him prune you? Would you allow him shape your character? Because remember Jeremiah 29, 11, the thoughts that he has for you are great thoughts. And just in case someone is here and thinking all you're hearing is that God wants you to be perfect. No. I mean, yes, the scripture speaks to us attaining and striving for perfection, but that's not it. This isn't God saying that you have to be perfect before I can use you. Absolutely not. We've seen him use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We've seen him use the, I mean, the, the least likely things. He will go and pick a Gideon. Gideon who has no idea who he is. He will tell him what the masterpiece has done, I mean, has. Mighty man of valor. Gideon is like, you say what? Who? So will you go with God on this journey? Any questions? want to share okay let us pray let's pray and I want us to pray from Psalm 90 verse 17 it says and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands would you ask that the Lord will beautify your life in a way and manner that only he can it's not about the, the value of what you have on. You can actually compute what some people are wearing and is entering a million naira or even over. It's not about that. It's the inner beauty of the heart. So would you ask that God would beautify your life? Let his beauty and his glory be seen. Let it be evident in your life. The beauty that the Lord gives is perfect. It is not as man defines beauty. It doesn't look like what man thinks. So where God has called your life beautiful and friends... Or family members are saying, you don't seem to be making progress. Why are you still here? What is going on with you? But you know that God is doing a work in your life. And that work cannot be cut short. That process must be followed through. Because at the end of that journey, it becomes evident to all. His glory is clearly revealed. So declare over your life that your life is beautiful and that the beauty and the glory of the Father is evident in you, in the name of Jesus. Pray for the work of your hands, that the beauty and the glory of God will be manifest in the work of your hands. If there's anyone here, you are unsure about the next steps in your career, in your business, would you declare that you gain clarity, that you see differently? Your eyes behold beauty, not as the world sees. I shared a story in the morning service about Michelangelo and, you know, the sculpture of, uh, of David that he did in 1504. 
and how everybody saw just a piece of massive rock. But he saw something. And I feel just relating that to the scripture that speaks about us seeing. Seeing clearly. Our faith work requires us to be able to see the things that are not visible to, much, to mere eyes. So would you declare that your eyes behold beauty in the places that God has deposited beauty? It could be a business venture. It could be a job, a job nobody wants to take. It could be working with a boss that nobody wants to work with. It could be associating with a friend that nobody wants to associate with. But God then opens your eyes to see beyond the natural. That is the level that you need to function at. That your eyes behold beauty. Your eyes behold beauty in the lives of people. Jesus would look at the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. One who was despised. One people obviously spoke about and had labeled with five husbands. I mean, what other reputation is that? But Jesus saw beauty. The beauty he saw was that of a missionary. One who would take the gospel and run with it. God would look at a Paul. Yes, Paul was, I mean, studied Judaism, very exposed and all that. But at the end of the day, Paul, we can liken him to be a murderer because there's no difference between the person who, who fires the gun and the person who, who signs off the edict for the firing, the, the, the firing squad. But God would look at a Paul and see beauty in his life and see him as a world changer. Jesus would look at fishermen, ordinary men, and he will see them as missionaries. So would you ask that today you partner with the Holy Spirit to see beauty where God is at work. That you see beauty. You, your eyes behold beauty. You will not see with your natural eyes. You will not disdain. Some of you have disdained people. I mean, we know people who have disdained husband material. Why? Because they have used the world standards to assess and to judge such individuals. Same thing for the men. You have used the standards of the world to assess and to judge. And you have disdained beauty. Meanwhile, there's something in there that just needs to be polished, that, that needs to be shined. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise tonight for liberation. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We all commit and we submit to the process. We ask God that you will take us on this journey with you and let your beauty and your glory be made fully manifest in our lives and in the works of our hands in Jesus' name. I pray for anyone here who's currently struggling with a relationship with you, struggling to understand who you are, struggling to accept your love, struggling to embrace your fatherhood. I ask God that you would visit such a one. And I pray for love encounters this week for such person in the name of Jesus. That you will prove your intact fatherhood to such a person. You would show up. I pray for each and every person here today, Lord. That you will satisfy us with all we require for life and for godliness. In the name of Jesus. Help us to take a righteous stand for you in the face of opposition, in the face of negativity, that the voice of the blood of the Lamb will continually speak loudly and clearly 
that we will make bold our confessions, declaring that we are an excellency of God, declaring that we are your children, declaring that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We give you all praise for the mind transformation, for the mind renewal. We give you praise for the work you have begun in our hearts. And I pray for anyone who's in a waiting season. Either you're transitioning, you are expecting something and it just feels like it's taking a long time. As you go on this journey with God, first of all, I rebuke any operations of the enemy. If there is a delay because the enemy's hand is involved, we rebuke his, we rebuke his plans, we rebuke his efforts. And we declare that only the counsel of the Lord is permitted to stand over your life in the name of Jesus. And so Satan, take your hands off whatever it is that you are currently holding on to. Do not touch anymore because this individual belongs to God and their journey is as written and as mapped by God. Well, Father, we thank you. If this is your doing, if you are taking this individual on a process and on a journey with you, we ask, Lord, for grace and strength to stay the course in the name of Jesus. Thank you, almighty God. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.